Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I'm your host, Bill Sickens. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello there. So it's football season, and for any of our listeners that listen on the radio, you might find that we're going to be preempted a lot this fall, and it's not just us. It's pretty much all of the Saturday afternoon shows, depending on how the games go. But please don't worry about it. Listen to the game, and then you can get our podcast. Very easy to do. Go to userfriendlyshow.com or theanswerportland.com. Click on podcasts and select our show from the list. Also, there is an app available now for Android and iPhone. You can download that from theanswerportland.com and listen to the podcast there. So we're still out there. We just might not be on the air sometimes. But <laughs> check it out and you'll get it on demand. And hey, it's just as good. Some say even yeah. better. <laughs> so that being said, we've got a great show coming up for you this week. We're going to be talking about hacking. There's been a lot of data breaches and some just stupid things, in my opinion, that have happened. But all things to be worried about out there. Definitely something to think about as we go back to school because they are targeting your kids. So we'll have that coming up a little later in the show. We're also going to be talking comic books this week. And this is a new segment that we are putting together. One of the reasons behind this, and just besides the fact that we all have an interest in that, is I've noticed that at a lot of the events we do that call themselves Comic Cons, there aren't a lot of comic books. Um, yeah, there's only a couple I, of vendors every now and then. Yeah, every now and then. I mean, I've been to some shows where they don't seem to have that at all. So since this is a very key part and there's still a lot of interest out there, it's not that that's waned. It just seems the direction's gone a little differently. We're going to be talking about that and discussing some of those details. All right. So what do we have in the news this week? Scientists create graphics for the blind using 19th century lithopane and 3D printing. Yeah. So this falls under what's old is new again. This is kind of a cool story. And what they're doing is they're using lithofame, as you said. It's a 19th century art form. If it's, you haven't heard of it, look it up. It's kind of cool. And then they're combining with it a very modern technology, 3D printing, to turn scientific data into tactile graphics that glow with a video-like resolution. And this also can be used to create what would be Braille in a mm. physical model. Oh, so cool. this allows both blind and sighted individuals to visualize the same piece of data. So whatever that may be, I mean, this is a very uh, clinical definition of it for sure. Yeah. But it is something kind of cool that makes technology a lot more inclusive. And something that's actually going to be very easy to do. Getting a 3D printer is not a big deal. And being able to put this together is very, very simple. So when you think about it, this kind of technology is something that is really going to be a groundbreaker, I think. <laughs> Scientists turn plastic into diamonds in a breakthrough. Well, you know. <laughs> That's a little weird. <laughs> so they're calling them nano diamonds. They're made from PET plastic. This is considered a new form of recycling. Cool. Kinda. And definitely is. I mean, the idea of being able to do this, and they do have a proof of concept where this is workable. Could be cool. Industrial diamonds are used across the board and are something that is definitely been an important part of technology and industrial fabrication for many, many years. It's nothing new, but it does take a lot of energy to create these. And the reason why industrial diamonds don't replace real diamonds, a big part of it is the amount of energy that's required to do what it needs to do to the carbon 
is immense and you don't actually have something that costs less in many cases. But this kind of goes another direction here, which not only fixes that problem, but allows for a use of all this plastic that we are currently throwing away. Mm -hmm. So something like this is really going to be interesting. They're doing it in a very small quantity right now, but ramping this up to scale and making it actually something that's usable could make that plastic that we're currently throwing away in the trash something that's actually valuable, which number one is a really good reason to recycle it. And number two, keeps it out of the environment. Exactly. How brain computer interfaces could restore speech and help fight depression. So tell me about this. So we've talked a lot about cybernetics on the show in the past and how our technology is definitely moving in that direction. And Brain-computer interfaces, they have them now where they can control things like epileptic seizures, decreased tremors in patients with Parkinson's disease, stuff like that, all major quality of life things. But the next wave of this is looking at tackling more complex applications like restoring speech and regulating mood. Hmm. And the idea of this is an implant that would allow for a repair of certain areas of the brain that have been damaged one way or the other. I'm not a doctor, so there's probably someone that could give a better explanation of that end. But at the end of the day, what the outcome is, is it is able to restore speech, regulate mood. And I would think in many ways where you have quality of life issues, like not being able to speak, that alone would help with mood. But this is actually more direct than just being able to fix one than the other. So again, we're looking at technology here that is something that 10 years ago or even less would have been considered very much sci-fi. The whole idea of implanted cybernetics and all that kind of stuff would have been. And now we're looking at being able to apply this in a way that would really help quality of life issues. Hmm. U.S. Army approves order for thousands of Microsoft combat goggles. Yeah, so HoloLens is something that's been on the market for a long time. This is Microsoft's approach towards augmented reality. So this hmm. isn't virtual reality. You see the environment around you, but it projects on top of it certain things. A lot like Google Googles does on your phone. iPhone's bringing in a technology to do that now, but it's built into your HUD, basically. And these type of systems can have some very real advantages, especially in the combat theater. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because... There's a political component of this, which is part of what's bringing this to the forefront, is that years ago, employees of Microsoft demanded the company cancel its contract for any military application. Yeah, I remember and, that. Well, the world has changed, and you know what? It's now necessary, and it seems like it's less controversial. Kind of. So, you know, these things have to do, and it just goes with the change of, I guess, life and what's going on in the environment around us to where the need and the application of the need is different. So the Army is looking to spend $21.9 over the next wow. 10 years on these goggles. And a final test is not expected until October, so next month. But the Army remains confident the program will succeed. These are actually used or a variation of the technology in certain applications like this already. But this will be the first time that we're looking at having it available just for any soldier that's out there. And uh, hopefully that will make a big change in keeping our soldiers alive and would be something that would give an advantage right now where we really do need one. Microsoft Defender flags Google Chrome updates as suspicious. 
So it's, to me, that just sounds suspicious. <laughs> it does. Uh, yeah, I'm like, okay. <laughs> so Windows Defender is a built-in antivirus program that's included with every copy of Windows 11, Windows 10. It's just out there. And if you don't go and install McAfee or Norton Antivirus or something else, it's the antivirus program you'll be using. And it actually works quite well. I've used it. I continue to. But there's been this competition between Microsoft Edge browser and Google Chrome browser, Google Chrome being the most widely used. And there's a joke out there that uh, Microsoft's browser has one function, and that's to install Chrome. So (laughs) (laughs) the idea that there is this, but you know, a lot of people will attest to that. Yes. So this idea that there's this mysterious bug, if you will, air quotes, yeah, it seems a little bit suspicious in of itself. So the problem yeah. is going to be resolved, but it is definitely a thing that's been out there for a little while now. And it, I tried to get a response to this, didn't get an immediate response from Microsoft, I can only imagine. So hopefully it will be fixed by the time you hear this. <laughs> okay. Web3 starts to become more serious. Yeah, this is a question we get in from our listeners too quite a bit as we're starting to hear the idea of Web3 or Web3.0. And we've heard of Web2, which brought e-commerce, a lot of things like that. So what is Web3? It's defined as a new iteration of the World Wide Web, which incorporates concepts such as decentralization, blockchain technologies, and token-based economics, i.e. cryptocurrency. Oh, yay. So we'll see where this ends up going. We've talked about crypto a lot on the show, and it's on you know the wild ride lately. Is value and everything else goes up and down and so on, and we'll see where this ends up. But that's basically what Web 3.0 is. There's a lot of focus on development. I think some other things that we might consider ancillary to this would be things like virtual reality and some of the stuff that's going on in that. Yeah, These different type of things for payment and stuff, you do use blockchain. And I've said all along, I think that this type of technology does have its place. I don't know if it's where it's necessarily going right now, but it definitely is an interesting idea and something that I do think we'll see one way or the other going forward in the future. Got a great show for you this week. Stay tuned. We will be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We're going to talk comic books, definitely a part of pop culture and been a staple for many, many years and an interest of Jeremy. So I am going to just throw this over to you. Jeremy, go ahead. What have you got for us? Uh, Well, okay. It's just kind of a basic history of Spider-Man. You know, it started in 1962 in Amazing Fantasy number 15 by Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. So we've got... um, a character in a costume. Uh, it was a. They were wondering, you know, should we hide his face? Should we not hide his face? But by hiding his face, the villains don't know that he's a teenager, <laughs> which probably helped. Yeah. So I mean, that was that was originally the 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 thing. They every now and then they'd publish a little spot in the comic book explaining his web shooters and the little light in his belt that's also part of a camera, um, and and parts of his mask. So you know, to get the one way mirror lenses. 
so that he can see in. People can't see you, you know, his, his eyes. Uh-huh. Um, the ma- mask also muffles his voice a little bit so they can't immediately identify him. Right. You can't see that he's a teenager. He's a little bit more threatening. Yeah. You know, so you've got... Um, and in that time period, people would not have taken teenagers seriously. Oh, absolutely. You not. have to also look at when a story is written <laughs> and how the general public at that time frame would right. have viewed him. Well, it was 1962. Yeah. So they would I mean, have not no. have taken a teenager well, seriously. And, so know, it's important for him to hide his identity. Right. And they've re- revamped the series dozens of times now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so every now and then they, they just take the whole universe and start over for some reason. <laughs> I remember that. I remember yeah. when Sometimes we first started going out. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, yeah. It's, it's, you've, you've gone so far with the storyline series for your stuff, and it's like, okay, well, we've created an event that's just so all encompassing. We're mur- killing off half the heroes and the thing, so we got to restart it. So, <laughs> um, originally, you know, he's a teenager. He's he's in high school. Uh, he, he goes to a science event. Uh, gets bitten by a spider that was radioactive, being you know used for testing. And he got some of its powers so he can stick to walls. Um, he's stronger than, than a regular person He's faster than a regular person. Uh, he heals quicker, but you know, he, he doesn't have venom, right? No, he doesn't bite people. Yeah. Um, and only in the most modern versions, does he create his own webs in the comic original comic book series? He was a science nerd. Mm-hmm. So he made his own equipment and made his yeah. own web shooters. And the, the belt uh, was originally to carry spare web shooter cartridges. And he had a, a light in the, in the belt buckle. And um, that's where he hit his, his little tiny camera. It's like, okay, <laughs> this is, okay. This is, this is kind of neat. Well, so, see, and the thing was, is radioactive at that yeah. time, that era, we just gotten through having atomic bombs go mm-hmm. off. We had atomic testing. And we had the Cold War going on, so radiation and atomic stuff it was really important. And so, not much buzz. has changed in many ways in 2020. No. Okay, <laughs> well, <isn't> it? It? <laughs> at least he didn't get his powers from cosmic rays. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. So, um, so we've got to. Te- he starts, you know, figures out. Well, hey, you know, I can make a quick buck. Um, he's living with his aunt and uncle because his parents died. We, we later find out that his parents were agents of Shield. And they were killed on duty. So he's living with his aunt and oh, uncle. I didn't know that. Uh, you don't find that out immediately. Yeah, okay. but that was like twenty <laughs> years later. Oh, okay. So uh, <laughs> that's the thing. You know, he, he's living with his aunt and uncle. His uncle is trying to, you know, teach him how to, you know, be a, a good, upstanding citizen. Um, so Peter gets he gets his powers, goes to uh, an underground wrestling ring, and you know, makes a quick slapdash costume. Uh, challenges the guy, wins a couple of events, makes some money, uh, becomes kind of you know over over his own power. You know, I'm I'm super awesome, better than anybody. Uh, a guy breaks in, steals the the cash box from the uh, wrestling foundation. Uh, but Peter Parker, Spider Man, is standing right there. He's like, you know, I I don't you know it doesn't it's not my thing. I don't need to to stop this guy. That guy later goes off and kills his uncle. So it's you know one of there's those things. Lesson, there's a lesson. There's a lesson. It doesn't involve me, and, but it actually does. It actually involve. does. Yeah. So he he he's the 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 foundation of with great power comes great responsibility. So that's where we get that idea from Spider Man. Yeah, and and that seems like a pretty uh, powerful message, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's 
kind of like a truth for modern society. Yeah. So we, we've got a teenager who then starts to grow up, starts going, you know, through high school. He's got villains that uh, are fairly popular in modern culture. Uh, we've got the the god the Green Goblin, who is his friend's dad. <laughs> So, how weird is that? Yeah, how weird is that? Um, <laughs> other scientists in the in the community, like uh, the lizard, who is a, a scientist who was injured, loses his arm, experiments with um, lizard DNA, uh-huh. implants himself with some, and regrows his arm. Ah. However, he only regrows his arm when he's a lizard. Oh. So, you know, he becomes a lizard when he's under stress. Uh, he becomes a villain. You know, and we've got other other fun villains like uh, Electro, who's, you know, master of electricity. We've got <laughs> uh, the Kingpin, who is a uh, mob boss, or uh, underground uh, villain there. Craven the Hunter, who likes to hunt things. You know, humanity, obviously, hunting humans is more challenging. Aha! Hunting p- people with, with superpowers is even more interesting. Mm, so, um you know, we, so, okay, we got <laughs> Dr. Octopus, the Vulture, the Rhino, Scorpion, the Beetle, um, Molten Man, Hydro Man, Sandman. I mean, we're, we're going with the weird-ass names here, so it's yeah. kind of interesting. Well, I think that's kind of traditional for Marvel yes. and Stan Lee. True. And uh, <laughs> now, there was something that uh, when we first started going out, you had this beautiful poster of Spider-Man. And... You told me that it was a specific artist, and mm-hmm. I noticed that you know sometimes with comic books, some artists stand out more than others. Yes, some things are just beautifully done. What was the name of that guy, or do you remember? Uh, unfortunately, it, right now that I can't really remember <laughs> that guy. Um, I mean, it, it's one of those things. There's art with done done by specific artists, like um, Steve Ditko's art was pretty good. I mean, for for. 1960s, he did a lot of work for Marvel, uh, creating, you know, not just working on just Spider-Man, but also on all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's hundreds of characters that he's created that he did nobody remembers him for. Oh. Uh, you know, and it's like Stan Lee is the guy, but Stan Lee was a writer. I, I see. He wasn't the artist. He so you're just like, artist. you know, who's, who's more popular? Well, it, would seem, it would seem like this type of a production, just like a movie or something, you have a lot of people contributing a lot of different things, the artwork, right. the writing, the story, you know, all of that becomes part of a whole that you're going to have different aspects of and, and different things. I would imagine there's story groups for these to keep things consistent, mm-hmm. just like with movies and stuff like that as well. And, right. you know, it seemed like uh, maybe we should attempt to do a comic book someday and just see what's really involved, you know? You <laughs> should. Yeah. Oh, the artist, work. Gretchen, the artist of the poster is Todd McFarlane. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Todd McFarlane w- was just an artist, mm-hmm. but he also started writing stuff. Oh, so he okay. wrote some of the comic books. He illustrated some of the comic books and then went off and, and worked for a t- totally different comic book company. <laughs> so this, is, this sounds like something we're going to dig into this. Oh, yeah. In weeks. I think this is cool. This is user friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. One user friendly on Facebook, one user friendly on Twitter. And we are also now on LinkedIn. So check out any of those social media sites and let us know what you'd like to hear about. Well, Jeremy and Gretchen, this last week was the 
wrap-up of Apple's show, their annual show, where they announce all of their new stuff. And as you know, we've been talking about the fact that we think that there's going to have been a rumor of an iPhone 14. Uh-oh. And it turns out that rumor has held true. Ah, wow. So the only thing of it is, is from everything I'm seeing on it, it's basically just a minor upgrade to the iPhone 13. So still probably was worth the wait so you can get the newer model or get a discount on the old. Now, some of the other things, though, that they did announce is a little bit more exciting than this. There's going to be an iPhone 14 Plus. Okay. What does that mean? Well, it's a little bit bigger screen, 6.7 inches as opposed to the 6.2 on the standard 14. Hmm. One of the cool features on it that I think is interesting is it's the first phone that I'm aware of that's a mainstream on the market that has satellite capability. So what this means is now it's not where you can just go make a phone call anywhere. I know the Tesla phone, they're talking about being able to do that with Starlink. This isn't quite that. But what it is, is if you're out in the middle of nowhere and have no phone signal, you can still get a link for an emergency call or emergency message through a satellite. Interesting. That was the first thing that went through my mind is that you're, you're a forest ranger, you're a geologist. You're a hiker, you're out in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden, oh, crud, I need to contact somebody. Yeah, and that's basically exactly what this is. And I think this is actually a lot more important than making calls. I know if I go camping, I don't even necessarily want to be on the grid for a couple of days. But boy, if I fall down or if someone has a medical issue or something, it would be so nice to just know that you had that capability. So I think kudos to Apple on this. It's a feature that actually does make a lot of sense and is one that I think people will use. They're also upgrading the cameras. Uh, They did not get rid of the niche, which is something that a lot of people were talking about. You know, that little thing on the top of the screen. Yep. With the, um, is that still there? But this is kind of cool. They are getting rid of the physical SIM cards. That's another change. So Hmm. it's uh, eSIM. And since most providers are using that now, it seems like that is the way to uh, go. But the one thing I found interesting on this is neither of the new models supports Wi-Fi 6E, which is the current Wi-Fi standard. So, you know, I, I'm sure we'll see that in the future, but evidently it wasn't that important to do that now. So now the iPhone's not the only thing they talked about. There's a couple of other things that Apple has announced. There's a new Apple Watch Series 8, and uh, it has a few new features like a new body temperature sensor, a car crash detector, and some things like that. But another device that's coming out is the Apple Watch Ultra, and this one actually sounds kind of cool. This is geared towards professional athletes, explorers, people that would need a higher-end device, and starts at $799. So it's the most expensive electronic watch that I'm aware of that you can get. But Hmm. it does offer some very interesting new features, 60 hours of battery life some Mm. different things like that, and a number of other just kind of cool things that they're going to talk a little bit more about, and we'll talk a little more about as we get to test them. But this is something that is definitely, I think, has a market. And there are some products right now that do focus on things like athletes and specific uh, verticals like that. But this will be one of the first mainstream ones that we're going to see that will do that. Other thing Mm. that came out of it is AirPods Pro 2. And these are a new version of the AirPods, uh, 2X noise cancellation. Uh, You can charge them with your Apple Watch charger, a few features like that. So this brings this to market. The one thing interesting about that, too, is Apple has been working on and has lossless Apple Music, and they don't support that. So that's an interesting thing. Maybe we'll see that in a software upgrade. 
So, huh. Huh. you know, just a lot of cool new devices. Some new software coming out. iOS 16 is going to launch uh, Monday, actually. And that updates a few different features on the user interface, redesigned lock screen, some stuff like that. And watchOS 9 introduces a new low power mode that'll work on watch series four and later. Oh, and they are officially discontinuing Apple Watch 3. So anyway, that's the nutshell version of it. So what does that mean? The watch doesn't work anymore or they're just not making them anymore? They're just not making them anymore. They're they're not turned off or anything like that. (laughs) Well, you never know. (laughs) But, But right now or before the show, you could have still gone and purchased an Apple Watch Series Three, and that's what's what's going away. So, okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so that's Sounds basically like it was a fun the, event. It was a fun event. A lot of good announcements. It's always interesting to see what the new companies are coming up with. I think we were hoping for a little bit more on the iPhone, but hey, you know, got something. This is user friendly two point We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. You are listening to User Friendly 2.0. This week's Tech Wednesday dived into a bunch of breaches. It seems to be that we've had a lot of these, maybe a little bit suspiciously so this week, but there's a lot of things coming down. So we're going to just go through the list here and kind of talk about what you can do, if anything, to be able to resolve it or at least let you know what's going on. And the first one, uh, for any of us that have done business with the IRS, which is pretty much everybody, this is something you yeah. want to be aware of, although this only affects people with retirement accounts no and good. specific kinds of them, is the IRS, as they put it inadvertently, posted a database containing a lot of personal information on their website. So I don't know if this, I don't think <laughs> how, this counts as a breach. Inad- is, how is that you know, inadvertent? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's, a, that's a good question. It's just, uh, so the searchable database went up for a little while and... Um, provided all of this information. They took it down. The IRS will be contacting everybody that's affected individually, okay. hopefully before anybody that got a copy of it contacts them saying they're the IRS contacting uh-huh. them. About yeah. So um, one thing on this kind of stuff, if you get a call and this is just good idea across the board or even a letter from anybody portraying themselves as the IRS, be suspicious, even if it's the real deal right now. And you know, if this is, if this is targeting seniors, you might want to ask people to look at their um, senior family members and just give them a heads up that, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Sometimes absolutely. Seniors don't yeah, always let them know what's going on because, of, yeah, and this will target seniors, especially since the whole idea of retirement accounts, you know? Mm-hmm. The best thing to do here is if you get a, a notification from the IRS that you're suspicious of, and right now it's a good idea to be suspicious of them. The best thing to do is go to the IRS's website, get the phone number for the appropriate division that you are being contacted by, and then call them back from the phone number that's on their website, which is irs.gov. Don't use a phone number from anywhere else. They've got some stuff on scams and how to report and dealing with all that kind of stuff, as well as uh, the general contact information. But it's best to not trust anything that comes out at this point. Look at it, give them a call. Any real notice that would come by mail has a notice number on it and a phone number, but still go to the website, get the correct phone number, call them, and then make sure that what you're dealing with is real. And if it is, then they'll be able to help you out. 
So that's number one. Number two is TikTok. Oh, now, no, TikTok got breached. Yes. And uh, this is uh, actually something, too, that can cause problems. It's not so much the sensitive information on this one as it is more the ability to hijack your account and then be able to start uploading videos on your behalf, stuff like that. Hmm. And you could have weird like stuff posted on your account saying that you did it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It would look like it came from you. That'd be annoying. And this only affects people using the Android app. So if you're accessing TikTok over your iPhone or using the web interface, you're okay, at least for hmm. this one. But that's still a lot of people because the majority of people use Android. Is there anything uh, they can do to? Um, to help prevent being bothered? Well, they've gone through and fixed it. I mean, that was the first step, certainly, once uh, it was pointed out. Microsoft caught it for them. They fixed it. They've updated it. So the first thing is make sure that you have the most recent version of the TikTok app. If you have auto updates on, it's okay. But if not, check for it, maybe even check for it anyway. And they did have to convince the TikTok user to click on a link, but clicking on that single link would have given the hacker control of their account and right now, uh, more than 1 billion people uh, use the social media act. It's Chinese-owned. We've heard about that in the past. And the bottom line of it with that is it's a worldwide scenario that a lot of people like, and a lot of people use Android. Hmm. So um, just to give you some idea, the Android app for TikTok worldwide has been downloaded over 1.5 billion with a B times on Google Play. Oh, so a lot of people have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So um, continuing on with the whole idea of breaches, Samsung's had a problem too. Oh, no. And they said some of their customers, the word they used might have been compromised. <laughs> and it affected some of their customer information on some of their U.S. systems. This is real specific, obviously. They say that they discovered a cybersecurity incident that affected some customer information. They say that they have already notified some users of whose data was leaked, mm. and it will contact users directly if it's needed. The breach did not affect social security numbers or credit card numbers, but it did have personal information that had the potential to compromise the privacy of the users. They have not gone on yet to tell us what information was actually stolen. So mm. that is one that's there. And the other one that's important Another area that's being really targeted this year, there's not so much a direct breach here, but it is something to be aware of, is your kids. Because they are targeting the iPads and everything else students use. And this has really started to become a problem with remote learning and all that due to COVID. But more and more of it's out there. Children, a lot of times, don't think about these type of things. But when you think about it, you have a tablet that's given to you by your school, you, iPad, Android, whatever the case may be, a Chromebook. That has a lot of personal information, as the student's information, grades, assignments, all that kind of stuff. A lot of times contact information. If they take pictures, all that different type of stuff, you might have geolocation information. Mm -hmm. So these are all yeah. things to think about. And the best thing here is to just tell your kids how to deal with security online. Make sure that this is a conversation topic you have. We all use computers now, and this is something very important that didn't used to be. And a lot of us when growing up would never have thought about this because it wasn't a thing yet. But all of the things that we do to secure ourselves, you get a link out there that you don't know what it is in an email, don't tap it, don't click on it, whatever device you're using. 
you get an ad that you get free French fries if you put in your social security number, probably avoid that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That was a joke on a commercial, but it actually did happen and it worked. Oh, my. So oh, no. all of these type of things are definitely issues. And if there is a situation where you think your child's equipment or your child has been fished, contact the school. Make sure all of that gets secured. They're going to hopefully have procedures in place. And unfortunately, those procedures vary from school district to school district. So there's no way to really give a synopsis other than just get a hold of the school. Let them know that you suspect that there's a problem and they will direct you to be able to get it handled, usually by swapping out your child's equipment with one that's not been compromised and being able to lock that down. All right, watch it. It's getting dangerous out there. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. As always, great show this week. This segment has kind of become our default talking about television, radio, books, all that kind of stuff. And one of the new series that has just come out is the Amazon version of The Lord of the Rings. It's called The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. And this is a series, the first two, three by the time this airs will be out. And there's been a lot of debate over this. Now, Gretchen, I know you and I had an opportunity to look at some of the pre-production. Uh And we can't really dive into too much detail on that. But looking at it, we were kind of concerned about the direction this was going to go. I think you'd agree with that. Yep. And the reviews that have come in here are, well, a lot of them are less than positive. I mean, there's been things all across the board, but Amazon had to shut down their commenting system for 72 hours because they were getting so many negative reviews. Uh, So that kind of tells you something. interesting. Yeah, they're Uh. saying that it was due to... uh, a scheme online to post negative reviews, whether or not that's true, that's what they did. And when they brought it back online, it didn't seem to help too much, but there's a lot of professional reviewers that are coming out here and talking about this and start with the New York times shiny, not precious yet. It's looking like this is something where we have high end cinema on the television screen. So there's some cool stuff from there, but the storyline is what the concern is. A lot of diehard Lord of the Rings fans will talk about the fact that this does not in many ways follow the books. It doesn't even look like it. It's very different. Feel like yeah. It. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so from that standpoint, there is, and I think always will be a lot of concern, a lot of focus on female characters. Some people have come out to say that the male characters are all but one shown in a very negative light. And in my opinion, there is a certain amount of truth to that. So, you know, it's it's one of those type of things. If you're going to produce something, produce it equally for everybody to like it. You know, instead of yeah. trying to go one way or the other, it seems like a good thing to go there. A lot of trolling going along, a lot of different things like that. I don't know if I'm going to continue watching it. It's not something that I, I, I don't know, if I really felt like uh, I liked it all that much. But for those that do, it's worth seeing. It's on Amazon Prime, like I say, something that you can pick out from there. But I don't know. Do we want a television series that is a book is a question. Well, here's this. It sounds like they don't even understand the writer or the time period that the writer was writing for and what inspired his writing. And um, I think if you're going to base a television show on somebody's work, you should be respectful 
and yep. understand the time period um, that these books were written. These books would have been geared for males because women would have looked at science fiction and fantasy and just said, no, that's, I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. And that's, that's very true. So now there's positive reviews too. The Verge says that it's small screen, high fantasy done right. Daily Beat, Beast says it puts House of the Dragon to shame. So there are those that like it. <laughs> Check it out. Let us know what you, what you think of it. Until next week, this is User Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2022. User Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of the User Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.